five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. ransom shall return. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mature of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of the jackals, where they lie down, the, the grass shall become reeds and rocks, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon them. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransoms of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I'm going to be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But he has set the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So I'm curious uh, who's watching the World Cup? 
Any soccer fans? One, two? Okay, a few. All right. Well, in, uh, in soccer and, and football, sometimes uh, I, I heard that you have to go backwards in order to go forward. You have to kick the ball backwards, and then you can start your play. Um, I heard that before, and I actually got to see that. Um, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I've been enjoying what I've been seeing right now. And, and sure enough, yeah, sometimes they kick the ball backwards, and then they move forward. And, and the reason why I mention that is because that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to kick the ball backwards briefly. We're going to start with something negative, but then we're going to go forward. Okay. Psychology teaches us something about, um, it's called negativity bias. Negativity bias. It's, it's a concept that says that we put more weight on negativity. And so um, an example of this is like you might have a really positive morning, just an awesome morning, a great morning, followed by just an okay afternoon. And because of negativity bias, that very positive morning, it, it doesn't count as much. You put more weight on the negative afternoon. You know, we just have this tendency to focus and feed the negative. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and so psychologists, they also tell us that sharing joy increases joy. And while the Bible specifically agrees with this, uh, specifically the, the Psalms, they're all about this. They're like, yeah, the, the way we share joy is we shout for joy. You know, let the world know. We, we shout it out. We shout for joy. But as you know, when we're in hard times, in darkness, despair, wrestling with something, when negativity bias is more than just a bias, I mean, it's like a stronghold. It's extra thick, extra strong. You know, is there really a joy that makes us come alive? When we just keep painting the world in grayscale, you know, uh, just those clouds keep hanging around our head and heart. And it's like, is there really a joy that, that pushes that out? Makes us come alive. Is, is there actually a transformative joy that pushes back the darkness? And today, on this third Sunday of Advent, we say yes to that question. We say yes to that question. There is, there is a joy that pushes back the darkness. But to be clear, though, biblical theological joy, it's a joy that is revealed in relationship with God presence with God. It is a joy that is unshakable. It is grounded in who God is. It's a joy that doesn't really need to be explained because you are connected with God. So today, I want us to have the opportunity to flex our joy muscles We're flexing our joy muscles this morning. You see, my sermon is incomplete. And that's on purpose. And just so there's no surprises here this morning, uh, you'll have time to, to think about it. But you all get to finish the sermon. After a time of teaching, we are going to end with an open mic time of sharing. I want you to share joy with us today. I want you to point us to Jesus. I want you to point us to good news 
this morning, how God is working in your life. Let's say a prayer, and then we'll, we'll start digging in. Heavenly Father, Lord, God, uh, in humility, we come before you. <coughs> in humility, we want to engage with you. We lay down our crowns, our pride. We lay down ourselves before you. We ask that um, we can just be open to listening to you, God. You have our hearts and minds. We ask that we can take root downward and bear fruit upward this morning. May your spirit be zealous to accomplish your purpose in us. Bless this message today. Increase our joy today, Lord. Guide us, shepherd us for your glory. In your name we pray. So please turn to Isaiah chapter 35, Isaiah chapter 35. Uh, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 35. Uh, we're going to take a look at Mary's song in Luke 1 uh, and then bounce over to Matthew 11 today. But first, uh, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 35. And on your way there, uh, you might notice chapter 34. In a word, chapter 34 paints a picture of despair. Okay, Chapter 34 reveals that God is not just the God of Israel, but God is the God of all of the nations, okay? And, and God is free, but he, he voluntarily chooses to relate with this world. And in that relation process, God gives himself to us in a way where it affects his emotions. Again, God is free. He doesn't need us. But he, he relates to the world in such a way that, that we actually can see God's emotions. God reveals his emotions. In chapter 34, we find out that God is angry. Specifically, he's angry at the, the armies of all the nations. And so we can just paint this ancient picture of violence uh, and injustice and just, just a lot of bloodshed. God is angry at the nations. And then chapter 34 specifically highlights Edom, the country, the nation, the kingdom of Edom. They're distant cousins of, of Israel. And they, they kind of become God's representative country here. Um, okay, uh, God is going to judge them. In this prophetic poetry, we, we find out that God is, God is going to judge them. And Edom, just so you know, uh, they, they had a reputation of taking advantage of God's people when they were in a weak state. Kind of like a kick them when they're down kind of scenario. That's Edom. Okay, those, those uh, distant cousins kick them when, they down, when, they're, when they're down. Um, they're violent people, evil. And so God is going to bring judgment. And chapter 34 paints these pictures of, of wilderness. This is what God will do. He will, um, he will turn things into wilderness. Things will be dry. Things will be in ruin. Things will be dusty. And so we have this image of desert and desert animals all around. It's just a picture of despair. 
misery, gloom, sadness, sorrow, just, yeah, a desert of groaning, okay? It's a hellish vision is what's presented. But then springing up out of this despair, we turn to chapter 35, and it's a, it's a vision of God's transformative work. God's transformative work just busts out on the scene. It's, uh, we get this imagery of, of from wilderness, God transforms things into a garden. From the dry, arid, dusty everything, God brings transformation, and we have blooming abundance. The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice uh, with joy and singing. From despair comes a transformative process that leads to joy and gladness and splendor. You guys see the, 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 the difference here, the contrast. Isaiah is casting visions of joyful images. And look at verse 4. Uh, be encouraged, church. Be strong and do not fear. God is here. God is showing up. He's not going to abandon us. God is faithful. God is the God of the nations. God is judge. Now, sometimes when we hear that, we get a little nervous that God is judge. But this is a good thing. Because God is going to set things right. God is going to bring restoration, justice. You know, when, when we think about justice in, in the, the Old Testament, um, be careful not to just think of it only in terms of, like, God is going to bring punishment. God is going to punish you. Like, no, 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 let's cool off on that. No, God, God's judgment is to make things right. God's judgment is to bring restoration. God is going to set things right because he is a good judge. He is a right judge. This is an awesome thing. Hallelujah, God is going to make things right. We want God to judge. We want God to be the, jo the, the judge of the nations. God is not afraid of the wilderness. God is not afraid of hard times and trouble. Because he's the God of transformation. Now, sometimes, in the mixture of all of this, there are those who stop seeing. We stop listening. We stop caring. We... We, 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 we walk with a limp. We lose our voice. Check out these metaphors. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will sing for joy. These are metaphors of, of uh, spiritual issues. Our limits and our failures... They do not have the final say. So if we turn to God, you know, we, we find out that God is already with us. God is ready for us. God meets us where we are at. And he can bring about transformation. Powerful transformation. And so Isaiah is casting this vision of wholeness and fruitfulness. No more despair. No more relational dryness. 
Water will gush in the wilderness, streams in the desert. And then check out verse 8. Isaiah sees a road. And we need to read this in the context of, of the topography that Isaiah would know. Okay, this, this land isn't the easiest land to navigate. There's mountains, and there's these dry riverbeds called wadis. Sometimes w- walking through the countryside uh, there in the Palestine area, it's, it can be difficult. But Isaiah, he sees this road. There will be a way. It will be called the Holy Way. And so let's follow the, the movement here. There's a way. There's a, a holy way, meaning that it's set apart. There's a highway that is like, like nothing else. You know, There is a holy way. And we find out that the redeemed, those who go through this restoration process, the redeemed will walk on this way. And they will walk on this path. Uh, the, the redeemed, they're moving towards God. They're moving... To, to God's presence, the highway, this holy way, it, it, it leads to God's presence. And those on God's path will, will come into God's presence with singing, crowned with unending joy. And the verse 10 is like the grand finale here. The highway in the desert. The path in the wilderness. It leads to joy. It leads to joy. And gladness will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing flee. Because in this prophetic image, what God is doing, because God is judge, and he's good, and he's right, and he's going to make things right, he is going to take away sin, evil, death, and darkness forever. And it's going to be just this amazing, like, mind-blowing experience of, of joy. Just to be in the presence of God. Yeah. There, there is, uh, you know, better one day in God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. Oh, just to be in God's presence with singing, with unending joy, just to praise God. Everything is made right and whole. It's amazing. Just to worship God. To magnify God for who he is. This is exactly what Mary does in Luke chapter 1. Here's the setting real, real quick. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. So that's the context, background story, but let's pause here. Let's think about Mary's reality here. What she's living through. First century Jewish teenager, 
most likely poor, because everyone's poor, pregnant, engaged, not married. Now she's living with her relative Elizabeth for now, and her, her relative, her, her cousin, is also pregnant with, with John. This is, this is Mary's reality, okay? This is her story. So let me just turn it to you now. What is your story? What's your lived reality? What isn't pretty and neat in your life? What didn't go the way that it was supposed to go? Who crashed your party? Are there health issues? Medical bills, you're just so tired of pain. The car broke down again. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe uh, there's a bully or just difficult people in your life. Who's walked out on you? Maybe this time of year is, is hard for you because of memories or just that pesky nostalgia. Jess and I were just talking about it last night. She asked me, does it feel like Christmas yet? Because we, we put a lot of weight in that, like, that feeling of Christmas, the Christmas spirit. Is it here yet? You know? As we consider Mary, as we consider her lived reality, Mary should be in the wilderness, but she praises God. Mary just sings this amazing worship song. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. And she continues on for a couple more lines. Mary is able to worship in the midst of her circumstances. Do you see that? She launches into worship. She recognizes both her humble situation and also God's grace or favor in her life. She's making much about God's grace. And that leads her to rejoice. Her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. God who saves, who heals, who brings transformation. God is great. God is mighty. His grace and his mercy is mysterious, yet it's so real and it's present. It's transformative. It's here. And Mary's able to just light up the world with her worship song. Now we're going to do a time jump. Matthew chapter 11. Advancing around 30 years. The little baby that was in cousin Elizabeth, once confined to the womb, is now confined to the prison. His name's John, John the Baptizer. For quick background, he was the forerunner, the forerunner of Jesus, a, a prophetic witness the forerunner, uh, getting people ready uh, for, for Jesus. He, he started this renewal movement. Hey, y'all, come back to God. Jesus is coming. Let's start just, let's start that renewal process now, okay? 
He was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, let's make his paths straight. And then long story short, John rebuked a local ruler for this unlawful marriage, and he was thrown into prison because of that. So now in prison, uh, Jesus' ministry has taken off, and Jesus has been doing his things, and amazing things have been Uh, have been going on, amazing teachings and healings, and just the Jesus story is on the move, and it's growing throughout the area, and John's in prison, and he hears a little bit, I imagine, or maybe maybe he hears a lot, uh, but he hears enough about, like, what Jesus is doing, and then he, he, he starts to question, and he gets a message out to Jesus, I guess people came to visit him. Somehow he gets a message out. Hey, are, are you the one who is to come or we sh- or should we expect someone else? He's in prison. It's not fun. Every day the prison walls remind him that John's mission, John's like purpose is completely frozen. It's it's just it has stopped. Every day he looks at those walls and he's like, man, I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. And so he has these, these doubts. Okay, I baptized with water, but like the fire's coming. Where's the fire, Jesus? When is the fire coming? And as a prophet, you know, John, he has these visions of renewal. He's, he's ushering in the people. Hey, let's turn. Let's repent. Right? So he, he's had these transformative uh, repentant visions, this transformative imagination, but it's now just being darkened more and more by the reality of prison. And again, he is just wondering, hey, is Jesus legit? Is Jesus legit? Hey, Jesus. You can imagine him sending a little email from prison. Hey, Jesus, are you the one... Or should we be expecting someone else? Because really, I'm just in despair right now. One author writes this. Despair works because it gaslights us. If despair messaging can convince us to question what we see with our eyes, then we begin to feel that all the things we do in response are for nothing. Despair. You know what? It's not working. I'm out. Abandoned ship. I'm bailing. Right? This whole this whole movement that I thought we were getting started. You know, we we just want to we just want to bail out. God isn't moving fast enough. We haven't seen enough fruit. We everything's messy. Everything's a mixture. Things are hard. But this. This is how Jesus responds. He points back to old prophecy. Go and report to John what you hear, what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told good news. And you know what? Blessed is the one 
who isn't offended by me. What is Jesus up to here? He is confirming his identity by pointing to the works of transformation. Tell John these stories of transformation. Tell John these stories of good news. These transformative works, transformative actions, where where blind and, and the lame and skin diseased and deaf and poor and even the dead, things are happening. The spirit of revival and renewal and recreation, transformation is indeed here. God is bringing new life. God is breathing new life here. New creation is arriving. There's new wine. Jesus is inaugurating something new. And the point, the big point I just want to land with is this. Jesus points to signs of transformation, and we can too. We are invited to spread news of great joy. You are invited to point to transformative works of God. So dear congregation, where do you see and hear the work of transformation in your life? Where do you see Jesus working in your life? What news of joy do you have to share with the congregation? You see, joy is the antidote to despair. Happiness, it, it depends on circumstance, but joy is free. The joy that is bound up in relationship of who God is, joy doesn't need permission, and it pushes back the darkness. So at this time, I invite you uh, to share with us. Feel free to just speak up, speak loud enough. Uh, if you have a story to tell, um, the little parameters, we don't need all the details, but if you just want to say it in like some a generic way, if you just want to say a few words, however you feel led to share, but we want to hear from you today. We want you to share joy today. Spread news of great joy. So at this time, turning it over to you, would you please share joy with us?